Welcome to Uplifting Women Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by upliftingwomen.net, as well as Holly Tesca Coaching and Consulting and Regent Leadership Group. Join our co-hosts, Holly Tesca and Kristen Strunk, thought partners in the world of leadership, equality, and personal and professional development. Listen as they bring stories of inspirational women and their allies who are working every day for authentic leadership, equality, and inclusion in business, education, and community. These are the stories of the people whose mission it is to ensure others are seen, heard, and respected. They've overcome challenges in the workplace and the world or supported other women in doing so. Holly and Kristen are committed to uplifting women's voices, sharing inspiration, advice, and maybe even a few laughs from women and their allies about the work they are doing to promote inclusion and equality in our world. They believe that by sharing stories of challenge and triumph, we can all make the world a better place as we inspire others to step fully into their personal leadership space. We are so happy you have joined us today for our conversation. Welcome to the Uplifting Women podcast. This is Holly Tesca. And this is Kristen Strunk. And we are so happy to have you join us again here today. Um, I was just reflecting, this is Holly with Kristen, about the amazing guests we are having emerge for our show. And uh, the guest for this show, Kristen Lamoureux, is absolutely one of those. I randomly met Kristen at an online conference earlier this year, and we had an immediate connection, and we talk about that a little bit in, in the podcast. But what really strikes me about Kristen is that she is a self-made woman. The odds were stacked against her as her dad left her mother when she was just a young child. She experienced her early life um, in poverty and all the things that go with that, of course, you know, hand-me-down clothes and getting meals at the church and food kitchens. Um, but it really didn't stop her from creating a successful life and career for herself. So those are some of the things that stand out to me about Kristen. What about you? Well, and I think for me, when I think about the story that um, she was able to tell about how she got started and the connections that she made. So the relationships and the trust that she was able to build. I just think of, you know, you never know where networking is going to take you. It, it can be very uncertain, but if you lean into those lucky meetings or those opportunities, you can end up in a place that you might never have thought. I think the other thing that stood out to me was her statement around the fact that everybody needs different support. What works for one person isn't necessarily going to work for another person and making sure that we are bringing everyone with us. And that's kind of how it came to the to the title for this one, bring someone along because that message comes through loud and clear. So thanks again for joining us. Let's get into the podcast today. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review, give us a like. We'd really appreciate it. Welcome you here to Uplifting Women today. Thank you for joining us. Oh, please, Holly. As you said, when we connected, both of us went, ah, she's somebody I want to get to know. And so <laughs> I am really excited to be here today. Well, thank you. Thank you. So as you know, you know, kind of um, 
our approach to working with um, interviewees here is to have you share a story. And, you know, it's very clear to me that you have a lot of passion around this area. So tell our listeners a little bit about, you know, where did your passion for lifting women up, supporting women in the world and in the workplace, where does that stem from for you personally? It is something that most people who know me would say her whole life, her whole life, she's been like that. You know, my husband's nickname for me is I'm a giver. But the true root of the passion stems from when I was a little girl. And as millions of dollars have been spent on therapy, I will share that it is a lot of it because my father left our family when I was three and a half. My mom went to him and said, I'm pregnant with our third child. And he left. So we lost our house. We had the car repossessed. We found a place to live down the street from the home that had been repossessed. We moved into a one-bedroom home. My grandmother came to live with us. She'd never driven a car in her life because she grew up in New York. And so at 67, was taking driver's lessons, (laughs) which was also terrifying for her. And I was surrounded by women who were picking themselves up and saying, all right, we're going to make this work. And we were the family that got clothes that people donate in bins. And we were the family that, you know, my sister and I got made fun of for our clothes. We were the family that would look for when the church was having a, you know, open kitchen evening or Sunday after, you know, services get together because that would mean some extra goodies. Yeah. So from all of that to where I progressed and I went, I'm in a position to help people who are where I was. My mom, uh, we all landed on our feet and she keeps her welfare card in her jewelry box, you know, because we're all very real that we got incredibly lucky. We worked incredibly hard, but without the help that we received when we needed it, we wouldn't be here. Yeah. So it's all about, for you, it's about paying it forward for the next generation, the next group of women that need that kind of support. You know, and we all need different types of support. And that was really the thing. It's no one thing. It's not just write a check. It is not just being a mentor and somebody who will listen. You know, at different times, you need different things. So I dabble in everything. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's okay. That's okay. So, So tell us, you know, so that was your early life. I will write my autobiography at some point. No one will believe it though, because it's like, and then a dragon came in and la la la, you know, like just. (laughs) I love it. I love it. So Kristen, now walk us through, you know, how did that get you where you are today? You know, you're a successful businesswoman, you're out there supporting other women to try to help them be successful. I mean, I think we got a sense for the reason that you do it is because you are so grateful for all the help that you and your family received at a really tough time in your life. 
but, you know, tell us about how does this all show up now in the world and in, in the work that you do and how you connect with other women? So I was really fortunate to have incredible mentors in my life. And a lot of them were gentlemen. Uh, I did the normal thing of babysitting. You know, you babysit in the neighborhood. Okay, great. I worked as a hostess at a restaurant. I worked at a temp firm. I, you know, worked at a florist. You know, just, you know, growing up, high school, blah, blah, blah stuff. But when I was 17, I, you know, was graduating high school and my neighbor up the street who I babysat for for five years, he was the CEO of a company. And he said, hey, Kristen, before you go to school, you know, like you can come be my receptionist for the summer. Great. And my third week on the job, I still did not know how to work the phone systems. I was losing my mind. And he comes up to me, and I can still see it, where he puts his elbows on the high receptionist desk, and he's looking down at me, and he says, hey, congratulations, you just got promoted. I just fired my executive assistant because I don't trust her. So I've known you your whole life. You are now executive assistant to the CEO. Here's what I need you to do. Boom, boom. And I'm like, I can't even put a call on hold without dropping it. And you want me to be, what? Uh, And I paused and he's like, and really, come on into my office. I'll show you the system. It's called Excel. And, you know, ACT is for contacts and la la. And I'm like, um, okay. And I said to him the best question. I said, who's my mentor? Mm. And he said, Carolyn, down the hall. She was the head of IT and was a female head of IT in the late 80s. And I went, okay. So I got incredibly lucky. I worked for him, not only for that summer, over which I hired a receptionist and then hired an executive assistant before I went to college, (laughs) but every summer and every break thereafter. And then when I had to work full-time instead of going to school full-time, I worked for him. So for eight years, I had this fantastic mentor who moved me throughout the organization. And the female head of IT, she too taught me about databases and spreadsheets and this. And it just was, I guess the word is demystified. You know, whenever you're trying something new and you're like, oh, this is, I'm never going to get this, you know, one step at a time. So this is what you do. And here's how I want you to just go play with it Mm -hmm, and you're mm going to screw it up and you're going to break it. And you're going to think you ruined the whole thing. No, no, just go play. And those two mentors were incredibly gifts. Uh, They were incredible gifts for me. And, but the CEO tended to buy and sell companies. So in those eight years, I had four separate companies that I worked for. And I said, um, hey, I might only be 25, but I'm well aware that my resume looks like shit. Um, mm. Because I have to explain that, no, no, I got, I got taken to the next company and we got sold and it was the same. And the phrase rebadging wasn't common yet. And he said, well, I'll tell you what, you know my friend Bill? He's a recruiter. 
why don't you go work for Bill? He'll teach you all about recruiting. And I'm like, all right, I've known Bill as long as I've known you, sure. And Bill became my next mentor and he taught me everything there was to know about recruiting. That's fantastic. It, it really just by having a mentor that is your backstop. I still had to go do all the work, but having somebody that I can go, all right, hang on a minute. I got to check in with you on this. Or, hey, mm-hmm. can I reality check? Is this me? Am I getting this wrong? Or are they totally wrong? Okay. It is fantastic. And that's why a lot of what I do is serve as a mentor to others. You know, I, I, I just want to call something out to you. Yeah. Not to, you know, you say you were lucky. I don't know. There was a little bit of luck in that, I guess, because, you know, he he kind of took you under his wing. But, you know, you had already demonstrated by doing the babysitting for him that you were somebody who had a good work ethic. You know, not everybody who gets plucked to do something in this world demonstrates that kind of gratitude. And, you know, that's a that's a big thing for me because I, as a matter of fact, I, I have it plastered on my wall right now, you know, gratitude turns what we have into enough, right? That's a great saying. Isn't it? And, you know, just by you demonstrating the fact that you were so grateful and taking on the challenges, even though you're pulling out your hair, trying to figure out how to transfer a call and, you know, somebody having faith in you. And, you know, when you asked for a mentor, they were like, oh, here, so-and-so can be your mentor. You know, I mean, there's, there's luck and then there's leaning into that luck. And I would submit to you that you leaned into it in a very big way and um, were able to help propel yourself forward. So that's pretty awesome. Thank you for that. And I do often say we create our own luck, but there is the, uh, I didn't pick where we lived. (laughs) It was, it, there was a lot of luck uh, at the beginning parts, but yes, by continuing to, hustle continuing to with a smile like how can I help you and mean it because again that's just who I am it lends itself to building the strong relationships that all of us need in order to succeed in this world you know um, the old saying of it's not what you know is who you know who you know really does matter you've got to have the what competencies to back it up. Uh, But, you know, networking, building a network, building relationships, it really is critical. I've built my entire existence, not even just my work, my existence on relationships. And it's something where I know a lot of women struggle in particular with, I hate the phrase imposter syndrome, I'm actually not a believer in it. Uh, I loathe, hate, and despise the saying. Uh, I think it is just something we haven't tried yet. And that's okay. You're supposed to feel nervous if you haven't done it and haven't done it a lot. I still, to this day, have my head between my knees trying to breathe in before I have to go speak on stage. And people are like, oh, but you're so good. Nope, freak out every time. (laughs) 
Uh, so it is something where relationships are critical and it's something that I've often said, it doesn't matter what level of the organization you're at, whether it is a school PTA board, whether it is a rescue squad auxiliary, whether it is you know a corporation that you're a part of, it's all about the relationships you build. And starting with simple, hi, you look like somebody I'd like to get to know. And Kristen, I want to ask you, you know, you've talked a lot about um, the mentors that you have had and being mentor to someone else. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious around how do you encourage others to become mentors? And what are some of the conversations you have around why it's important, especially when it comes to women, other underrepresented groups? What is that argument or sales pitch that you use to convince other people to get involved? I am the worst recruiter ever. Straight up. I say it all the time. I run a recruitment firm, but to me, the height of insult is if somebody were to say, you recruited me. And so my joke is, is that, yes, I'm the worst recruiter in the world, but I accomplish what I do because I am transparent and extremely candid with people. And by doing that and putting an opportunity in front of somebody, they'll say, wow, that sounds like fun. I want to go do that job. When it comes to mentoring, there's all kinds of compelling arguments we can make about the underrepresentation of women in leadership levels, women in tech. When I started Sim Women 14 years ago, women held 7% of the CIO positions in the United States. 7%. 14 years later, where do you think we are? I won't even make you guess. We're at 19%. Jiminy cricket, people. So people hear that and they go, okay, that, that, that's not right. So what do we do? And the answer is something. We do something. There is no one answer to elevating women to leadership levels. It will be a shotgun approach. Each little pellet that we do will add up in build force and make an impact. So thinking through what is it you can do. I was a mentor when I was in eighth grade. I was teaching fifth graders Spanish. It doesn't matter what level you're at, find something. Go back to your college, high school, elementary school, middle school, and offer to speak. You know, do you have a career day? Can I come in and be an example that other girls can emulate? Girl Scouts in New York City leveraged outsiders including some of our Sim Women members, to teach seventh period, they would segregate the girls, bring them into the auditorium, and they would bring in a female CIO. And we would talk about, hey, this is what I do. And you'd get questions. Well, how much money do you make? How long do I have to go to school to do what you do? You know, what is it about computers? Boys do computers. 
Nope. Serve as the example. Let them see what they themselves can be. You know, finding a philanthropic focus. It doesn't have to be, you know, my mission is elevating women, as is yours, you know, but find the passion, the authentic passion that you have for something and go be a part of it. If it's pets, ASPCA. If it is, you know, books, I'm a voracious reader. That's why I support the Bridge of Books Foundation, which gives books for free to children across all of the state of New Jersey. And it's shocking when you hear, again, transparency, facts of across the country, there are on average 300 books per child. Think about from those first soft baby books all the way through to Dr. Seuss. In Camden, New Jersey, which is a major city in South Jersey, it is on average of 300 children per book. I heard that and I said, all right, we got to do something. Right. So what are we going to do? You know, and so again, it's finding those things that, as I said, for me, it's elevating women and helping women elevate themselves, you know, and people view networking as, oh, I don't know, you know, it's like being told you got to floss more, you should network. (laughs) Yeah, let me just get right on that. It hurts and it makes me bleed. You know, like, no, uh, no, not going to happen. It doesn't have to be. And when you're networking through philanthropy, you immediately have a topic of conversation. So you love to read too. Oh, you like dogs too? Okay. You want to help kids in STEM, which is science, technology, engineering, and math? Okay, let's go do that. And you can suddenly start talking with people. And what you don't realize is those people are CEOs, CFOs, COOs, business owners themselves, coaches. You have now created a network and oh yeah, you know, it's 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 not real. It's just because we love kids. No, no, it's real because you are your authentic self. You are doing something for the greater good, and they are building trust with you so that then they'll say, Hey, you know what, Holly? I have this person and I really feel they need some extra help. And I know you and I trust you. Would you be willing to coach them? Of course, I'd pay you. Done. Like, it, it's not hard. Yeah. It is not a two-week thing, though. We're building relationships. But in the time of COVID, where so many search firms were absolutely decimated because nobody was hiring, everybody was getting fired. It was a horrible thing for all people across the world. My firm had our second best year ever out of 10 years. And it was because of the relationships where there was that one search that they had. They called me because they trusted that I would fill it. So it is something where all of us as women, we need to floss more and we need to get out and network and build relationships across the board. And from there, your jumping off platform is far wider 
and farther reaching than you've ever imagined. You can do anything. You know, and I really love, Kristen, the way you framed that is, you know, it doesn't pick something that you really love, something that you're really passionate about. I mean, we all don't have to go and jump on the bandwagon for all the same things. And, um, you know, it is about finding your own level of comfort, the place where you feel that you can bring value, um, the place where you'll feel appreciated, because that that is it's uplifting to feel appreciated, but then once you contribute, I mean, there's research out there that, you know, talks about the fact that when you, when you volunteer for a cause that you're passionate about, you get more in return than what you give just because of the feeling that it, it boosts in you as a human being. A hundredfold, a hundredfold. You know, I truly describe myself as a purveyor of hope. Because that's what I most needed when I was younger. And that's what I provide to my candidates, hoping that they're going to get the job that they need, to my clients, that they're going to get the help and talent that they need, and for the kids that I coach, that they're going to get whatever they need. With hope, again, we can accomplish anything. How do you, in working with your clients and building those relationships, give them the sense that this is one of the very most important things to you? And I have a sense that if their values didn't align with yours, you would say thanks, but no thanks. So how do you have that conversation, stand in your beliefs in a way that invites them in, but also says, this is my boundary? Yes, I do not do business with anybody I do not want to do business with. When I was first starting out, I had worked for a search firm for eight and a half years, and I was a good producer for them. And I moved to Pennsylvania. Uh, My husband got a new job and brought us out here, and I was still working for my old firm. And They didn't do a lot of work in Pennsylvania, so I was finding my own work. And I would hand it in to the accounts or to the team recruiters, and they didn't want to work on my jobs. But because I had said, my reputation, I'm going to fill your role, then I needed to fill the role. So I was finding my own job leads and filling my own roles and realizing why am I paying 75% of my money to my firm? Hmm. Okay. So had a trusted conversation with a client who uh, had said, Oh, I'm going to a new firm. And I said, has my firm ever done business with that new company? And they said, no. And I said, okay. So let's talk because I have a non-compete. I can't take a single candidate or a single client with me, but I want to go out on my own. And he said, first year, I'll give you 14 searches. And it was because of the trust that I had worked my ass off to build for the previous eight years that completely transformed my life. And so again, I know Every single day, I have to produce. 
I have to work to give my clients everything that they need. And if I'm going to sweat and slog and hustle, then no, I'm not going to compromise and do it for some place that it, my nickname is Shark Tank. I'm a giver. I want to help people. That's why I do what I do. I derive joy from helping people. So every day, not just offer days, every day I'm able to help people. But there are companies that are shark tanks and I won't name them, but we've all seen the greed is good movies. You can guess. So I don't do business with them. I know many leaders from those organizations. There have been times where they have asked me and I have said, because of who I am and the nature of the people that I attract to me, the people in my network would not be interested in working in your firm. Uh, I lead a purpose-driven life. And while I understand the purpose of your organization, it doesn't align with mine. And I wouldn't want to waste your time. And I can recommend fantastic other firm. Here you go. It's hard because those people pay a lot of money. And when you're starting out and you're like, I say no to every, uh, for nothing. No, 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 no. You have to decide who you are and who you're going to be. Begin as you mean to go on. I need to, because I am a horrible recruiter. I need to honestly viscerally believe that the person I'm talking to, this is a career move for them. This isn't a job. I don't do temp placement. I am helping people make career moves. And because of that, putting them before my pocketbook, putting my reputation before everything lends itself to success because my candidates trust me, my clients trust me, and with that trust, you can, again, the speed of which we're able to deliver is exponentially faster than any of my competition. There is no currency like your personal brand, your personal integrity, and knowing where those boundaries are. So mm-hmm. thank you for sharing that. I think it takes a lot of courage to um, walk away, especially when you're a uh, uh, a business that's just trying to ramp up or stay afloat during a tough time. So, you know, I applaud you for having that courage. You want to tell our listeners a little bit about Sim Women? Sure. It is the passion project of all passion projects. The best is the origin story because uh, I had to pee. I was at a CIO conference in New York City. There were over 350 attendees. There were 22 women. And I know that because I had a balcony seat and I was looking down and counting. How many women are here? This is atrocious. And after we broke for lunch, what do you do? You go to the ladies' room. And in the ladies' room where there was no line. No line? No line. Right, exactly. (laughs) That's when you know you're in trouble. And the woman two stalls over yells out, really, how many of us are here? And I said, "Uh, if you include the women from the trade show booths, 
22. Everybody groan. <laughs> We're like, this is such crap. Are you kidding me? And again, women only held 7% of the roles. So we all washed hands, exchanged business cards, and I just started asking questions. I started saying, so who do you go to for help? Who do you go to if you need something? And I, and I discovered what later on was labeled the confidence gap, where women that were the directors and vice presidents were saying, well, I would find a woman who was outside my company, but in my industry, but not too close, but who could probably relate to the issue that I was having. Uh, and I would probably want to wait a little bit of time before really divulging because, you know, you never know who knows who. And and I'm like, oh, dear Lord, what if Bob down the hall has the answer? <gasps> no, no, no. Because they were concerned about the perception of appearing not in the know. Yet, when I said to CIOs, so who do you go to for help? Whoever can help me. Like it was instantaneous. I said, well, what if it's Bob down the hall? Then I'm knocking on Bob's door saying, hey, I need you to help me. Okay, we got to get these two groups of people together. (laughs) And I started with six women in New Jersey on a conference call because there was no Zoom at the time. And we had the most amazing call and we weren't like, we should do this again. And thus it started. And we did a multi-year rollout across the United States and across Canada. And we now have over 1100 female CIOs and their direct reports. And we have over 2,500 women active inside of Sim Women because we permit guests. I am never going to turn someone away because you're not the right level. We all, again, need to do something. And so I reach down and elevate up because we need to, again, see what we can be. We need to have somebody that we can ask, would you be my mentor? So Sim Women, we do a national leadership summit. We do regional events across the country. We have monthly webinars. It is something that we have uh, local, across 46 chapters, local Sim Women events where sometimes you're just getting together for wine. Sometimes you're having a speaker and it's a formal presentation. But it is that community that provides the safety that our directors and vice presidents need to achieve their greatest potential. And the access to the CIOs as mentors, as coaches, as well as to the authors and coaches and that I, experts that I bring in to facilitate these webinars, they learn and grow. And one of my favorites was a woman named Sonia. For three and a half years, she was a guest at the Sim Women webinars, which are free by the way, like all are welcome. Come on in. And they can get the schedule on simnet.org. Go to calendar, national calendar, but we're the last Wednesday of the month. I'll put the link in for you for show notes. Um, But Sonia was a guest for three and a half years. And then she called me and she said, I got promoted. I can join Sim officially. This is fantastic. I called you before I called my husband. This is great. Oh, <laughs> I'm gosh. like, yeah, oh my God, this is great, Sonia. You know, 
so again, just joy, just joy. And it is those opportunities to make a difference. I didn't do anything specific for Sonia except open a door. She stuck with, she did the work, but it was that all are welcome. Come on in. That for any of your listeners, if they open their doors, even if it's inviting somebody to go to lunch, you know, you're going to, if you are in business, if you're going to a meeting, bring somebody with you, put them in a corner and let them listen. Just the nature of doing that shows this person matters, their development matters, and I see myself as a mentor. Doesn't matter your level. You can be a manager, bringing in an individual contributor, do it. Because if we all take one person with us, bring them with you. Again, we make incredible difference across the globe. Absolutely. Kristen, you are truly a force of nature. We need to lock arms with our fellow women, stand tall, and keep walking forward because we got a long way to go yet. Oh, yes. The whole Virginia Slims, you've come a long way, baby. I'll give you that. We truly have. And the exponential growth and change that this last 18 months has brought will create a flash fire, I hope, that just continues to burn in all of us that we can navigate incredible global challenges. We don't have to do it alone. Absolutely. And the joy that you will receive by reaching your hand out to help uplift somebody else, you will get back a thousandfold. So let's all just go do something. It doesn't have to be a big thing. Just something. I agree. Let's all do something. So Kristen, thank you so much for taking time to talk with us today. If our listeners want to get in touch with you, um, what's the best way to do that? Uh, They can find me at lamarosearch.com. They can reach me via my LinkedIn URL, which we will put in the show notes. And I'm happy to connect with anyone, truly. Well, thank you. Thank you so very much. Keep doing the great work that you're doing. I feel personally inspired today as well. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. You are such a sweetheart. You and Kristen are awesome. I'm so delighted I was here today. Thank you so much for listening in on this latest episode of Uplifting Women podcast. Holly and Kristen appreciate your dedication to Uplifting Women and look forward to you joining them again soon. This podcast is sponsored by upliftingwomen.net as well as Holly Tesca Coaching and Consulting and Regent Leadership Group. Please visit your favorite platform where you found this podcast to leave a review. If you are an uplifting woman or a man who champions women's success with a story to share, Kristen and Holly would love to talk to you. Please visit upliftingwomen.net and leave us a message.